leadership. It's the component of your life which you lean upon in order to prioritize the events and objectives in your life which you hold close to the vest. There, you're non-negotiables, something you're not willing to sacrifice at any cost. Putting such a list in sequential order takes time, effort, and somewhat of enthusiasm, which you may need direction in order to cultivate. If this sounds like you, today is your lucky day because you stumbled upon the comprehensive conversation I had on leadership with professional and transformational speaker Avi Wilson. When it comes down to the brass tacks of the matter, Wilson speaks to colleges, businesses, and audiences alike with one simple mission in mind. He speaks to inspire success. Yes, indeed, my friends, you have the sense of empowerment ingrained in all of you to overcome life's most challenging obstacles in order to see prosperity on the other side of your life roadmap. However, you must put in the personal and hard work it requires in order to see tangible results. And Wolfson is the man who helped in that very journey. If you work in a corporate environment or in higher education at any level, this is a conversation you cannot afford to miss. So without further delay, I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's really an honor to be here, and uh, I'm very excited to uh, speak with you. Absolutely, no. Avi, I know that you're all about helping people sort of unlock their fullest potential and unlock the champion that lies within them as a motivational speaker. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about all the good work that you do, my friend. Absolutely, yes. So I am a speaker, and... I help losers discover the champion within themselves. So I'm all about helping individuals that are struggling with mental health, people that don't believe in in themselves or struggling to succeed in business. Anybody that's been there, because that's how I've felt a large part of my life and things that I struggled with. So helping others to me is very important 
Um, you know, there were times in my adolescence where I wish I had had more help and, you know, people to look to, but I really didn't. So it's so important to me that, you know, individuals, especially younger, um, younger folks have, have good support systems in place. Uh, there's a good saying that, a quote that says, it's easier to build, uh, it's easier to create uh, stronger children than to fix broken men or women. So that falls in the line with, you know, how important it is in, uh, in terms of development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just building on that point, I mean, I know that you help people by leading, by example, in their own way, by paving the pathway to both hope, inspiration, support, and forgiveness. So, uh, while also challenging uh, the the way we think about people. So, tell me about leading from a position of hope and how important that is to you. Yeah, I think it's it's extremely important. Um, you know, like I said, growing up, back, I struggled a lot academically. Um, school was a place where I was bullied. Um, really, just always finished last. Um, just constant reinforcement that I felt inadequate and less than everybody else. It wasn't until I got older that I realized, wow, I'm actually brilliant, and you know, I'm capable of doing a lot of things, and I can live to my fullest potential. And that grades aren't just the only thing, um, but you know, we're all dealt with a hand, right? We all, we're all dealt with cards when we come into this world and we have to do our best to play with the cards we're dealt with. So getting, struggling, um, and then giving the strength to individuals to strive and survive, uh, my way of doing that, uh, that I discovered from, from my own self, uh, was the process I created process I created called BAC, which is balancing realism with optimism, activating your spark, and changing your narrative. Those are the things that really helped me to get ahead. And I didn't discover those till later in life, but that actually was life-changing for me. And I believe it's that logic and thinking of having that process down that is going to be, it's been helpful to myself. And I also believe is going to help a lot of people. That's my big idea. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I also know that you're big and helping people work through their mental health challenges and really helping them to get to the other side of prosperity, my friend. So let's dive into the subject of mental health, my friend, and why do you think it's so important to shine a light on the importance of managing our mental health effectively? What are your thoughts there? It's so important, and it's not talked about. I think there's still a large... Uh, piece of stigmatism. And I think that especially like in the workforce and even in personal life, there, there, there's this idea that like, oh, you don't go there, you don't talk about these things. But these things should be talked about, right? Because if you have a broken leg or an arm, you can see that, you can see the injury, but you can't see the scars and the pain of, of mental health. You can't look into the mind of somebody. We can't show that yet, but it's very much real. And if we want to live in a humane and civil society, and where we help each other and do what the human thing is to do, which is be civilized, right? We're not animals. Then we should be doing everything we can to help each person live to their fullest potential. And that means acknowledging and helping people that do struggle with mental health and giving them the tools that they need to, to live a happy and successful life where they thrive and do well. And every person is capable of that. But 
we do, we are human and we do need help and we do need support. There is not one person on this earth who did it all themselves, all by themselves. Not Jeff Bezos, not, not uh, Bill Gates. No, everybody needs people. They need help. And just mental, mental health, as we can see, is, is a major, major issue because we've seen uh, lack of that manifest in very ugly ways. And it's so, so important like that, that, that we do give people the support and tools that they need so they can flourish. Yeah, and building on that point, Avi, I'm curious to ask you about building a community of support or a mm. tribe of support and how important you think that is. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very important for me. You know, um, I've been in group therapy. Um, you know, I have a therapist, and you know, it's maybe not the most glorifying thing to say, but um, you know what? A lot of it just has to do with how society perceives people in me with mental health, uh, you know, conditions that they deal with, right? So, it's really just about acknowledging it and recognizing that hey, I need help. I need to do this. That's what takes courage, right? Hiding it and and straying away from it. I've, I've done that for, for a very long time. That doesn't help. That's throwing, that's throwing the dirt under the rug. And you can keep doing that, but eventually that's going to pile up. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to fester and it's going to get really ugly. And then eventually it's going to get knocked over and just, you know, it's going to explode. So uh, it's so important that people have communities and places they go to. It's been extremely important for me. And again, I'm not like proud to say that, but um, it's important that I do, right? It's, it's okay to ask for help. We all need help. You know, we're human. And whether that's for mental health or some other area or hardship that we face, it's super important that we all have a community or place that we can go to, in a healthy way, express what we're going through and to get the support and tools that we need. Yeah, absolutely. And Avi, I want to build on your last answer. Ask you about the importance of strength through vulnerability and really growing from being vulnerable because I know it's an important part of the work that you do. Teaching people, as you said, that it's okay to uh, sort of bring down, bring down those emotional walls. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely, Kevin. Yes. Yeah, so vulnerability is a very interesting topic because especially for me growing up, sharing your thoughts and feelings, especially as a man, is, can, is oftentimes perceived as a weakness. But I'm a big proponent of Brene Brown and her research. And her, her, uh, her research, you know, what she found is that vulnerability is our greatest measurement of courage. To be vulnerable is to let ourselves be seen. And doing that is most courageous thing a person can do, right? Because we're all human and maybe if we don't talk about it, but we all have things that we struggle with and, and being able to openly talk about those things is really important. And also to add on to that, um, it's also a form of authenticity as well, right? Um, these things exist in us and hiding them is, does not help at all. Being, being vulnerable is what's, what gives strength. It's given tremendous strength to me. And I didn't think that it would, but it absolutely does because it's confronting the cards that we have that we're dealt with. And maybe that hand is not great or there are some areas that we would like to be different, but they aren't. And surrounding ourselves with the right people, that's another piece to this too, is we need to be careful about who we share 
who we're vulnerable with and who we share that with because not everybody is the right person to do that. Some people aren't emotionally available or maybe somebody you don't know very well and that can backfire really badly. So it's important to make sure that we surround ourselves with people that we trust and will be receptive to us when we are vulnerable. Um, and does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I'm fascinated to also ask you, what, well, what do you think it means to be a forward-thinking problem solver? Yeah, so being a forward, forward-thinking problem solver is to recognize uh, think groupthink, right? So, and having, and, and then being able to put yourselves, put yourself in the shoes of others and really imagine and see their pains and struggles, no matter what they are, and seeing it from other people's point of view, and then being able to say, oh, okay, I can appreciate this. I didn't factor that in. This isn't just about my thinking. I need to consider other people's trains of thoughts and how I can how we can combine and collaborate to find solutions that aren't just one-sided, but are combined with different people from different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but do you think leadership and emotional intelligence are interconnected at all? Yeah, uh, I think that an exceptional and effective leaders, um, they all need to possess emotional intelligence. Um, it's extremely important. And I think like a good example of that that I could give would be um, back in the Civil War era with General Grant fighting General Lee's army, right? General Lee was, he was strategically, I think, a better general. He was very effective in battle. But Grant, General Grant had a bigger army one that helped, but he had an emotional intelligence connection to his soldiers and they led with him. He was in the trenches. He was there with them. He was an amazing leader. And because of that, we live in a free society. So that emotional intelligence, really connecting with people on a deeper level is what allows us to have, is what makes an effective leader and a good leader. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll be, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts also on the concept of leadership. I know you help people create sort of a toolbox so that they can have the tools to define their own version of success. So a two-part question for you. How do you define elite leadership and what do you think is a roadmap for really creating the tools to experience sustainable success? Yeah, I, th I think that for leadership, it's about swallowing pride. And more than that, it's about humility and humor too, right? If you want people to rally behind you, you have to have a, a sense of humility. You have to be relatable. People have to understand and you need to be likable. And those are really crucial. And I think oftentimes, especially older trains of thoughts are like that you work with can't be trusted. Give them an inch, she'll take you a mile. And that's a very old school train of thought. And I think realistically, when you're likable, when you're funny, when you have humility and can say, you know what? Um, I could have done this differently or, you know, I, I wish I've done things this way or thought, you know, really just like taking other people's perspective and working collaboratively and saying and acting as though, you know, maybe you don't know it all, but, you know, you're doing the best you can, I think is what brings about those great relations and great leadership. Absolutely. When we talk about creating that toolbox of tools to use to 
overcome obstacles all the way out. Curious, what is it that needs to be sort of ingrained in that toolbox so that people can experience success? Yeah, I think for the toolbox, it really comes down to what what a person needs, right? We all have different needs. We all have different things that we struggle with. So I think the first step is understanding what it is that internally that we need, whether that's help with relationships, whether that's help with uh, in a career or communicating or forming healthy relationships. So for me, if I struggle with one of those things, I'm going to seek out, I'm going to look for a mentor. I'm going to look for somebody that I can go to where an area I'm weak in and then they can help me to, to get through that. Also, uh, obviously reading is, is really important. Um, I think that that's really find the knowledge that you need to, to, to get help because we don't know what we don't know. So, I mean, you don't know how to solve a problem. You know there's a problem, but you don't know how to solve it. To get those tools, you have to go to the right sources, and they're very much available. We've got YouTube. We've got uh, people that you can reach out to to be mentors. We can search online. We didn't always have these things, but now there's a huge, huge knowledge base of where we can go and find the tools we need. We can find the people that we need to look up to to help us lead in the right way, to go in the right way and go down a path of uh, finding success and tools to succeed and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is, you know, I look at the world when I started this in May of 2020, and I said that, that there's so, so much more tearing us apart than bringing us together. So I wanted to create sort of what I call bridges of unity, and, and hosting this podcast is one way that I do that. So when you look at the world today from just a societal mental health perspective, what do you think is the key to creating those bridges of unity? I think it comes, we, we need good leaders. And unfortunately, leaders that we have, especially in our country, you know, it's, it's been, it's been, it's a, it's been a real shame. It's, it's been a disgrace. Um, I think, you know, Dr. King would be very disappointed um, if he saw what was going on. I think Abraham Lincoln, I think our forefathers, they would all, I think they would all be very disappointed in what's going on. The way the people that we look up to at the highest level in politics, the people that run this country that are supposed to set the good example of how we lead as people and in a civil and American way, I think is, it's just a lot of attacking. It's about undermining. It's about all the things that we're taught bringing up into school to not do. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's it's a big game. There is no unity. There is no sharing of ideas. It's about shooting other people down, knocking down their towers to bring their towers up. And that is not the the vision for our for, that our forefathers had when this country was uh, created. So um, I think that what it's going to take is collaboration. It's going to take humility. It's going to take laws to put in place so that there isn't. Uh, skimming off the top there isn't you know people that hold a lot of uh you know they they we were holding back technology and things from driving humanity forward right there's a lot of selfishness there's a lot of people that want to keep things the way that they are um because they don't want to give that give that up right and that's oftentimes what it takes 
And so I think until we can get more leaders that can really um, be more bold and daring to say, to put their ego aside and say, you know what, we, need, we really need to prioritize mental health and then actually following through with that and giving people the help and support and the tools that they need so we can live in a more civilized society where instead of knocking each other's down, we're helping to build each other's towers up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so yeah, that, that's, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm curious how you define the whole notion of maximizing personal and professional fulfillment. How do you think those two things sort of intersect? And how do you define them? So yeah, I think that when you say that, it makes me think of, of a couple of things. There's um, one is Maslow's hierarchy. So we look at the most basic level of psychological needs, food, shelter, all these things. And then at the top of that pyramid, um, we've got self-actualization, right? And that's where we all want to go. That's where we all want to reach. But not all of us get there, right? So there's another piece to that, which is the law of correspondence, which means the way we position ourselves internally reflects externally. For example, if you perceive yourself to be worthy, hardworking, and an asset to the world, you'll find yourself succeeding. Don't dress for the job that you have, but for the job that you want. And the, uh, one more piece to tap onto that, tack onto that is uh, uh, the people that you surround yourself with. You need to, we need to be surrounded with people that help give us those opportunities or get us in the right mindset, right? Because like, as an example, if you hang out with a band of thieves, chances are you're probably going to steal. If you hang out with a group of people that are, are successful business people, you're probably going to go in the right direction of, of running a successful business. So the, these three things are really important um, when it comes to um, advancements, using opportunities. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, maximizing opportunities in life is a choice, right? And it's up to all of us to seize the opportunity for advancement. So when you look at seizing opportunity or maximizing it, what are they just thinking of pointing your life compass in the direction that you want to go? It really comes down to an attitude. Um, so we, we need pe you need to be somebody that wants that and to pursue it relentlessly. And I think that the best way I could put this is um, making a commitment and working towards it until you achieve it. That was said by Walt Disney. And to further reinforce that idea, Greg Reed uh, had said, uh, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. So that process needs to happen if we want to. Maybe that's not for everybody. Maybe some people want to live in a nine to five. Maybe some people don't. Maybe some people, they want to 
advance and they want to do things bigger and better. It comes down to a personal preference. I think most of us, we do want to get there. And to do that, we have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to surround ourselves with the right people, being in the right professional groups. All these things are, are important and factor into reaching that end goal that we all want. Yeah, absolutely. And Aubrey, in the short time, the two of us have been friends. You know, I have sort of relate to you the importance that I place on the concept of inclusion and acceptance of all. As you know, I mean, I have cerebral palsy and I've worked my entire adult life to sort of level the playing field when it comes to equitable treatment and of, of those with disabilities like myself. So when you look at the concept of inclusion and acceptance, I wonder what side of the fence or how uh, do you define inclusion and acceptance for all? I think it's extremely important. Um, I, I think that there's just a lack of understanding. And I think that obviously it's very clear in the short time I've known you, Kevin, you're a gentleman, you're a scholar, and you're a larger than life baller. And I say that because I see you and I see your greatness and I see your potential. And I can also relate in the sense that growing up, I was felt like I was just a loser and that I would never make anything of myself. But people don't see, like I, I, you know, people say different things. We can't make everybody happy. We're not going to always have a good relationship with every person we meet. We're human, right? But we surround ourselves with the right people. It only takes one person to look at you or to look at me and say, I see you beyond just cerebral palsy, Kevin. I see you, Avi, beyond your bipolar disorder and depression. We have something tremendous to give to the world. And we need to know that, first of all, for ourselves. And to also show people what we're capable of. Because like you, I've felt for most of my life like an underdog. And, and that's not always fun, right? It's not, it's not fun to feel that way. Sometimes I just, I want to fit in. And maybe you felt that way too, but there's a great saying by Dr. Seuss, which is why fit in when you were born to stand out? And we were both meant to stand out. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. That's why we have this conversation. We have something great to contribute to society. And maybe the way that society is built doesn't fit in with us, if that makes sense. But we're not like the average everyday person. And we're not the only ones. There's a lot of people like this. So we need to show what we're capable of and to bring strength and to also give um, hope and inspiration to others that have conditions like us. And to let them know that they can be successful. They can thrive. They will succeed, even if the world is turned upside down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I always tell people to capitalize on the opportunity to be a trendsetter, right? Because absolutely. The, Love that. Yeah, the only example that you have to reach or the only level of expectations, I mean, I tell people all the time, the only level of expectations that you to meet on your own because if you don't have that baseline or, or uh, uh, sort of service level expectation of yourself, it's hard to level up or measure up to others' expectations. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%, Kevin. I grew up 
filled, my whole life revolved around living to this expectation that was impossible. One, because I didn't believe in it. I didn't want it. But I was really forced to being put, forcing that peg, that square peg through a circular hole. It's not going to go through no matter how much you push it. And it's actually going to backfire and be really ugly. Cause, and that's like, you know, trauma that, that I've had, other people have had. Um, and then you've got to, you know, work on repairing. So, so that's really tough. But it's like you said, we're trailblazers and, and there's, and there's a lot to be said, a lot of good to be said about that and how we stand out and how we lead and help others and then build up the people that, that need the help that, you know, maybe don't have the support that they need. We have to be strong for them and bring out other people. And that to me is what a true leader is. And I want to distinguish between, oh, sorry, excuse me, not a true leader, a true champion versus just a champion. A champion is somebody who wins for themselves. They hold up a trophy and say, go me, look at me, I'm great. But a true champion is somebody who brings out the best in others. And there was something a boss of mine years ago said, which is, that I agree with is true. You can't save the whole world. Even Superman can't save the whole world, but we can help the people around us in our lives. And we can build up other champions to be true champions, to help other people around them. And we create a rippling effect where now that idea and notion is spread out so that we make true champions. And then to your first question, how do we do that? So that's how it's done. We need we need true champions, true, that people that don't just win for themselves, but they help those around them to become champions, and that and that keeps rippling and rippling. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, you know, uh, being a speaker yourself, we share the same synergy in the fact that there's a real authentic connection when we speak to audiences and really see those breakthroughs when our messages. Get through. So I'm wondering, as a speaker and as a person yourself, individually, how would you define your defining moment of difference, both as a speaker and as an individual as well? I think that um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about you know victory and and what that means, and it's at its core. Victory is a feeling. It's not, it can be tangible, right? You've got a trophy, so it can be tangible, but it, it, it's a, it's a per, case by case basis for each person. And victory is important, right? Because that gives us momentum to propel us forward towards our goals and aspirations. So what's important to me that I learned about victory is it's about keeping your victory glasses on, not actual glasses, just metaphorically speaking, having glasses on where you even if you don't do well at something or you fail, you can still have victories within that, if that makes sense. So you can have a takeaway. You can learn something you didn't know before, even if it, you weren't successful at the first attempt. So having your victory glasses on at all times helps you to see your wins and your victories. And when you have that, that can, that can be very powerful in propelling you forward so that when you do have big victories, you can appreciate them and continue using that motivation as momentum to propel you further towards your goals and aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, mean, I want to go back to something I, I asked you about earlier in terms of where, where we are in short of our 
societal discourse. You know, we, I don't have to tell you when you turn on the news, you know, and this is coming from a news guy. I mean, I originally went to school to become a, a sports reporter, so I love wow. re reporting the news. But when you turn awesome. on the news today, you know, spend five minutes uh, watching the news and you'll find out everything that's wrong with the world, right? So, so I, I'm curious to ask you, Avi, what's your greatest hope for the future and how do you think you would define hope and uh, prosperity and promise for the next generation? Well, I'm with you on that one, Kevin. I, I and That's why I stopped watching the news because I don't like watching it. You know, for every out of 100 stories, 99 of them are very, are very negative. They're terrible things. It's people dying. It's people being killed. It's about the bad weather. And then you'll hear one minor story or a story that will lead, lead you to thinking that it's positive, but there's actually a very ba bad, sad, and dark uh, story behind it. So I think that this is, I, I'm not a fan of the news. I, I don't like it. But that said, you know, the news is important. We need to be kept up to date. But the, the thing about the news is that they're all pushing a narrative, right? So we need to be cognizant of what is the narrative? What do they want to lead you to believe in the news? And this is why I don't like watching it. I want to do my own research and come to my own conclusion about what I'm seeing. I don't need the news to tell me how I should think or feel or believe about a story. Um, and with that said, I think the way that we pave the way to a better society is that we have people coming forward with truthful news and news that does serve us. And maybe there, maybe there needs to be more of a, because the news is very powerful. It's, they have huge, huge uh, followings and everybody watches them and it really does influence the way people think. So it can be very dangerous too. Um, you know, and we know from other countries, you know, being in con controlling the news is how you control people. So having good leaders, people that we can go to in our communities that can focus on the positive rather than the negative, because it's very, it, it really clashes when you look at what we're told to do, like we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to enjoy life. Life is good. These are important things. Even if you don't feel good, you, you, uh, you, you put on a smile anyways. It's about having a good attitude. It's about not being bitter or resentful because no good leader is, good, is, is bitter or resentful. It's, those things do not help you. And in one of your interviews I saw um, that I watched you with, it was Carrie, and she said uh, giving some, uh, making poison and drinking it and expecting somebody else to die from it. That is, that is bitterness at its core. And so we need to be, realize, you know, what the news is doing, how we reframe that news, how we how we change that narrative to one that does serve us and that and does lead to self fulfillment rather than just going for viewership. Oh, this story is going to be great. Um, people people are going to see this. It's it's terrible. It's horrible. It's dark. And you can see news reporters get excited about this. Because there are no more morals with the news. It's only about viewership and nothing else matters. And that's the reality of it. And from my perspective, I've seen this. You see these news reporters, they're excited talking about a homicide. That's not something people should be excited about. That's very sad. And, and, and they're excited because, oh, this is great viewership. This will be good for my career. This will be good for me. So there is no mediation. 
There's just one agenda for the news. Even if they have to fabricate the story to get it for better views, it's they'll do it. So at the core, news is really a bad system. And I think that there should be more regulation, uh, maybe by the government or in some way. But yeah, the news stations are, are pretty awful. That's why I don't watch the news either. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I want to end on a slightly more optimistic, optimistic note. Everyone watching this, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to, uh, especially for young people, what, what's your greatest message of sort of aspirational hope? And well, why should young people be excited to be uh, contributors to a better tomorrow? Because I think that life was designed and meant to be happy. And, you know, aside from like conditions that we have, we all have things that we all have our own internal battles. But at the end of the day, we have one life to live. And the analogy that I like to think of is this. When we, when this world started at the very, you know, when we had, when there were cavemen, cave people, it was, it, they stepped into a world that was filled with glass, essentially, right? Everywhere you step, it's dangerous. You've got animals chasing you. You need to stay with the group. If you don't stay with the group, you're, you might as well be dead. Um, and then over time, you know, we've evolved, right? And the world became a safer place. We came out with new medicine and science and technology. All these things evolved and we become better and better. And now that glass, with this world that was filled with glass when we first came into it, we're removing a lot of that glass, but there's still problems. There, there, there still are people, young people, especially that don't have the support and tools that they need. And part of that, removing more of that glass in that area is to give those people the support and tools that they need to acknowledge them, to not tell them that, you know, they're worthless, to let them recognize their greatness and that they all have something important to contribute to this world like you and I. Yeah, and letting them know, that, and that's the, that's really the core of it. You know, this is supposed to be a happy life. This is supposed to. Be, I'm not. I don't. I don't like to. Excuse me. Uh, have a. I don't. I don't have a blind eye to anything. I recognize the good and the bad, but it is supposed to be a good and happy life for for everybody on this earth, and we should yeah. strive to to make it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Just one final follow up to that point. You know, I mean, I really believe that. We all have the capability and the knowledge base to really take ownership of our own lives. You know, adversity is going to strike all of us, right, Avi? But it's important to remember when you pour that sort of foundational understanding on how you live your life to develop your own life principles and hold yourself to those principle standards for growth and expansion. Would you agree with that? I do. I do. Um, and the way I think of it too, Kevin, is it's like this, right? Life, it's one long ongoing boxing match. We learn and achieve success through failure. Fa failure is part of the process of learning and achieving success. Without failure, we wouldn't be able to recognize prime opportunities. So it's actually very important that we do fail and we do it fast and we learn from it, and we continue growing, going on so that we can have more victories in the long run. So, yeah, that yeah absolutely. And, you know, Ali, my final question for you has to do with your own sort of personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. 
know, I think it's different for each person. For me personally, you know, I've always tried to just fit in, just be like my friends, just have a normal life, be like them. But there is no normal. That's just a conception made up. It's a fallacy. It's something that's made up in our minds about what a good normal life should be. But my life has always been about standing out, not fitting in, to do bigger, better things that I didn't know I was capable of, but have done and will continue to do. And to be somebody that represents and stands for something greater than myself. And the best way that I could put it, Kevin, would be uh, a quote by Bob Marley, which is, the greatness of a man is not in how much wealth he acquires, but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. Right, because so much of our society is we're broken down into classes. We got our lower class, we got our mid class, we got the upper class, but we should be striving to, you know, break down these these barriers. Right, if we want to be a better society, breaking down down those barriers and it being accepting and civilized towards each other and and agreeing to disagree that how we want to live or how our lives should be at the basis of it, it's about freedom. Right, freedom to practice whatever religion we want to do, to do whatever hobbies we want to do without judgment, without being criticized um, and helping those around us. Right. That's, that's at the core of it. I think that's a brilliant quote. And I think that if I could have a legacy, it would be that I went out of my way to help people to be the person that I wish I had to look up to when I was younger, but I didn't to give people that hope and inspiration that they can be great in this life, that they can do amazing things and that they have a purpose in this world. We all do. And to do something great and to leave a legacy for and pave a way for a brighter future and for future generations to come. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I'm going to tell me if people want to get connected with the great work that you do, my friend, what's the best and most effective way they can do that? Yeah, they, you can reach me through my website, uh, com. Um, that's, that's my speaker website. I am also on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I know the link off the top of my head, but, um, I believe it's just your name, right? Yeah. yeah it's just, it's just my, it's just my name, LinkedIn forward slash Avi Wolfson, something like that. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and you can reach out to me on my website as well. Um, other channels I'm not very active on. That's, that's where I spend most of my time, but those are great ways. And then also, I don't think that we would have necessarily connected, Kevin, if you didn't send me that link that you had to finding other great podcasts. Um, I think that's a great way we connected. So, um, uh, yeah, that's that's also something that just came to my mind. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I, mean, I always tell people that life is a constant game of networking, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It absolutely is. And, you know, without that, I without networking, we wouldn't have crossed paths. And we did, and it was for an important reason. Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, Avi, I'm sincerely grateful for your your graciousness and spending spending a few minutes with me to talk about uh, building a leadership toolbox and really maximizing potential, my friend. Your work in this space and time on my behalf is most appreciated. I want to thank you for both your friendship and for engaging in conversation with me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Absolutely. It goes both ways, Kevin. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and all your thoughts and questions and ideas. Really a pleasure.